Hello, and welcome to Group Chat, conversations on biblical community. This podcast is a ministry of Rush Creek Church located in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. For more information about our campuses, you can check us out at www.rushcreek.org. At Rush Creek, we believe that life is simply better together and that none of us were meant to live the Christian life alone. So how do we do that? We intentionally create environments that foster biblical community, mainly through small groups. But the idea of biblical community is bigger than simply a group of people meeting for a Bible study once a week. It's about cultivating an environment where people feel welcome, loved, served, encouraged, and held accountable. It's a place where discipleship is more than just another church activity. It's a way of life. While our discussion specifically involves the model used at Rush Creek, we believe that these discussions can be helpful for anyone who wants to help foster deeper community where you are. So please join us in our discussion of how we can create, pursue, foster, and reproduce the value of biblical community through small groups. In today's episode, we talk with the group's pastor of our Green Oaks campus of Rush Creek, Clayton Aker. Clayton joins group chat to discuss the topic of spiritual disciplines. We believe that being a great leader begins with being a great follower. And as Christians, that means being a great follower of Jesus. So how do we do that? Clayton takes the time to talk with us about having discipline in our own spiritual journey so that we can lead others well. Okay, welcome in to the group chat podcast, a service of Rush Creek Church. Uh, This is a unique episode. We've got Clayton and Clayton on the show today. Could be our own little radio show almost. I feel like we'll be talking in first person the whole time. Yeah, you'll be talking in first and third person. So at the same time, I always tell people I kind of feel like Clayton admires me so much that he even took my name. I did. But it might be the other way around, actually, since he's older. Uh, But we're on today to talk about spiritual disciplines at the personal level, which might be interesting to some of you going, why are we talking about personal spiritual disciplines if we're supposed to be talking about small groups and community? Well, the main idea we want to get across today is that you can't lead someone else to follow Jesus if you're not doing it yourself. So that's kind of the foundation we want to lay today to start out with. Uh, So Clayton's on here with me. Uh, He is the group's pastor here at the Green Oaks campus. Uh, Clayton, thanks for coming on. So kind of just start out, before we even get into what you do, kind of start out with your story, kind of where you came from and how you got here. Yeah, man, thanks for having me. Um, I grew up in in the church. I was very fortunate for that upbringing. Um, But growing up in the church didn't mean I knew who Jesus was really at all. Um, I had a great upbringing with my family, um, with grandparents setting a a way of faith for me. Um, I came to know Jesus as Savior for the first time at at a camp, it was one of those emotional nights, and I heard about um, the life, the death, the resurrection, and um, I wanted to believe in that, but for, for me, um, it was an instant I just did not want to burn in hell like they were telling me I was going to if I died um, that night. Um, but that set me on a trajectory to kind of know who Jesus was, and when I told my youth pastor at that time of sixth grade, he handed me a King James version of the Bible and said, read it and good luck. Um, and so I started in Genesis, got to about Genesis 5. I'm like, I'm out. Um, this, I don't want anything to do with this. Um, but I was still very active in church until a guy kind of stepped into my life and really showed me what it meant to follow Jesus. And um, that changed my whole trajectory, that I learned that the gospel affected my whole life. And I started learning about this kingdom of God and the way of the following Jesus. And um, I was hooked. 
I saw what he was doing in my life through through my family, through um, areas of service and through school, and I just continued to start to pursue that. And so went through school, started ministry out of college, um, got married um, about seven years ago um, to my wife Heather and been serving in student ministry for probably the last 10 years before coming here to Rush Creek. Um, and so that's a little bit of my story in a nutshell. And then, so you were in student ministry, and then you came here, and this is your first time working in any kind of uh, small group ministry mm-hmm. or, edu- I guess, educational yeah. discipleship ministry. So kind of tell us what that transition was like for you, and then kind of let people know, what do you do as a group's pastor? Kind of what is your job? The transition wasn't really too hard. There was a season of me kind of taking about a year and a half off from ministry fully to kind of wrap my head around what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Um, and while I was still in student ministry, I had the opportunity to help lead a church through a small group transition, and I, I got hooked about communities um, because my wife and I, we were longing for some biblical community where we were at, and so getting the, the ability to form that and see that through kind of shaped my heart to so this is really an area that I wanted to be a part of. Um, and when I came to Rush Creek about a year ago, I've only been in my position for about a year. I get to oversee all of our small groups at our Green Oaks campus. Um, I get to train their leaders in our coaching structure here, but also get to oversee our care groups like um, divorce care and Shiloh that for people who are experiencing miscarriages and infertility. Um, I get to pour into those leaders and walk through um, some difficult mm-hmm. seasons with people um, while also continue to cast a vision for the kingdom and communal, uh, community life uh, here at the Green Oaks campus. Now that we've got that established, um, we can dive into the topic, mm-hmm. spiritual disciplines. So this is something um, I think you'd probably be really passionate to talk about because I know you've said in the past you love guys like Dallas Willard who are oh, yeah. who are really big into this type of area. Yeah. Um, so when we say spiritual disciplines, kind of what do we mean? Kind of what are the kind of the core ones that we're talking about? Yeah, disciplines, it kind of sounds like a bad word because when we think of discipline, like, oh, no, yeah, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. Um, so words that I probably use interchangeably is dis- disciplines, um, practices, uh, or like even rhythms of grace. Um, because I experienced burnout and I was kind of walking through a life with God, kind of just doing the same thing, I really was having this, as Tozer would say, this hunger and thirsting for something deeper in God um, and a relationship with Him. And so it kind of started me on this journey a couple of years ago. But disciplines are our practices or rhythms that we put into our life to really connect our hearts and our souls with the God of the universe to really kind of shape our identity around becoming like Jesus. Um, And there's a lot of verses just throughout this about the transformation of the life of a believer. Um, And so in short, it's just a way to let the gospel and the grace of God saturate your whole life to shape you into becoming more like Jesus as we progress through this life to eternity. So practically it would be things like prayer, mm-hmm. personal Bible study. Yeah, um, the, the common ones that we, we know about are, are Bible study, meditation, prayer. Um, we got some service on there, but it goes, there's way more than that. Um, those are kind of the common, the big big three or four that we go to, but it also has like fasting and silence and solitude. Um, celebration is a is a really fun one because if you have kind of a hard life to, to learn to find joy in the pain, as Paul would say in Philippians, to rejoice in the Lord always, I will say rejoice. So the discipline of celebration, um, confession, these are kind of things that we would refer to as spiritual disciplines, but the list goes way beyond that. There's not an 
and these are the nine that you have to do. It can mm. be a lot of things can become a spiritual practice for you. Yeah, uh, and we would argue that community is a spiritual oh, yeah. discipline. Yeah, there's even some uh, faith traditions that would say um, in the Protestant faith that we would say, yeah, community is a major part because you have communal disciplines, things that you'll practice with your community, um, and things that you practice in um, isolation as well by yourself or s- disciplines of solitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about that personally the last few days because I'm um, just thinking about my time here at Rush Creek working in the with the groups team, um, thinking about how when you grow up in modern evangelicalism, one of the big things we push is your personal relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus. Yeah. And while that's true, you know, no one can can make you become a Christian. That is that is on you, mm-hmm. and it's on you to follow Jesus and to grow and to discipline yourself in these practices that we're talking about. But at the same time, as as I've thought about it and as I've studied, there's so much to Christianity that's not personal. Yes. It, it's very much, when you look in the New Testament, it's very much a group project. Yeah. It's very much a, a community faith as opposed to just an individual thing. So kind of what, what, what would you yeah, say? I would, I would go say it's, yeah, daily quiet times. I mean, it's it's great, but it's when you have just a daily quiet time, if you're like me, um, when I have that, it's kind of like taking a shower one drop at a time because sometimes it gets inconsistent and then I feel guilty about it. Um, I would say while part of our faith is personal, it's not private, um, that it shouldn't just be, it's all me trying to work this out, figure out who God is, become more like Jesus by myself, um, because that's kind of contrary to what we see the Apostle Paul kind of talking about. It's all a very much an individual identity in Christ, that why I am a, if we look at um, 1 Peter 2, he's like, yeah, you're a priest, but you're also a priesthood. Um, we're not just a person, we're a nation. So it goes very much to be a communal identity in the kingdom of God and not just a personal, it's all about me, my private relationship. Um, and so small groups are a great place to practice these out and kind of wrestle through these together because you get accountability and you also get people to challenge you and you get some course correction as well if you're kind of going down a, a different path with what the discipline, if you're kind of taking fasting too far and you're like day 15 without eating, um, you're going to have some people like shoving food down in your mouth in a, <laughs> yeah. in a group setting. To, to bring it back down to the ground, um, for the small group leader um, and maybe even the small group member, but especially for the small group leader, what do spiritual discipline and spiritual practices, how do they relate to their own life and how do they relate to how they lead their group? Yeah, it relates to our life um, because it's going to keep us focused on the vision that God has put before us. It's going to keep reminding us and grounded into the kingdom of God. And so we have to um, have that relationship with Jesus personally. Um, and these these practices, we... We would say that we're these great people of faith that have gone before us. They didn't get there overnight or by accident. They were very intentional about what they were putting into their life to grow in their faith. Um, and we can talk all day about leading a different kind of life, but at the end of the day, we kind of make ex- explanations for not being that type of person or really having a different type of life. And it reminds me of Luke 9 where Jesus is like, those who put their hands to the plow and look back are not fit for the kingdom of God. And so they're important for us as leaders because we have to... Um, make sure that we're continually keeping in line with the way of Jesus that he has set before us and walking um, in our identity as a son or daughter of God and growing in our own personal relationship, growing in grace with him. Um, But when it comes to a group, it's an area for us to, um, it's important as leaders of groups because then it sets the tone for our groups. If we're not spending daily time in the word of God, if we're not um, praying, if we're not experiencing God in these 
ways that he's given us to to kind of grow in our relationship with them we cannot expect to lead our people there because it's a place that we've never been um, and so we have to be very intentional about putting these into our lives in the lives of the members and um, because it's something that is a little bit foreign to us mm-hmm. um, I think when we, we can do the big three um, but even those things the people who are most adamant about Bible study and prayer in the church are usually sometimes the people who don't really practice those as much as they're they talk about them yeah and so yeah. we want to grow that in people that love for the Word of God and love for that conversation with him um, so it starts with us and that's where all revival starts is with us more than anybody else yeah now in leading a group um, as much as we want to encourage people to get out and do that, mm-hmm. um, we also understand that there can be um, some, I guess, dangers or uh, precautions to look out for your own spiritual life when you step out and start to lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of what would those be kind of for a group leader? What would those um, things that they would need to watch out for in leading a group that could impact their own? Again, we bring it back to the personal relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, two things that I think that really kind of group leaders are going to face is um, the first one is it's spiritual warfare, that you're now stepping into a position where you're going to lead people um, to try to become more like Jesus. And um, we're not fighting an enemy that's that's in the flesh. We're fighting a spiritual battle. And so we have to make sure that we're prepared for that. Um, And silence and solitude is a great place to start in that. Um, That's where all the rest of these disciplines kind of flow out of is having a good... Being able to quiet yourself and not be in such a, a hurry or I'm so busy because that leads into the second one is just, man, I'm too busy for this. I know a lot of people to leading a group like I'm just I have a really busy schedule and a lot of people are coming into a group like I'm just too busy. So they their priorities are a little bit off. Um, and there's a great story of a guy named um, he's a pastor in California, John Ortberg. Um, mm-hmm. He called up his uh, mentor who was Dallas Willard, who is kind of a, a great philosopher on spiritual disciplines and John Ortberg asked like John or Dallas why do I need to do um, to be spiritually healthy and Dallas really only had this single line that he said you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life and like John John like most of us like oh that's really good like that's a good tweetable moment right there I think this was before Twitter even was around yeah um and so he's like all right but what's next like what's the practical steps that's it is eliminate hurry because while we can be busy, ex- um, busyness is more of an external area, is an outer condition, but hurriness is a sickness of our soul, is what Dallas would say. Um, and we see it all the time that we're in a constant state of anxiety in our culture. And that is one, two probably the biggest struggles that I think a leader is going to face is spiritual warfare and being so busy and hurried throughout life that they miss sometimes what God's trying to do in front of them and with their group. Yeah, and busyness is almost in in Western society is almost a badge of pride, you know. It is because I'm busy. It must mean either I'm important or I'm oh, yeah. at least not lazy, or you know I'm contributing to whatever. Um, but I first actually realized what a what a staple of our lives busyness and rigidness mm-hmm. is um, to us when I went on a mission trip to Brazil, where it is not like that at all. Um, we worked with a church down there um, at the youth group that I grew up in, and um, the church service was scheduled for six, but it mm-hmm. usually got started around eight, you know, <laughs> yeah. because they just weren't they just weren't in a hurry, you know. It was it was a different world, oh, yeah. and and busyness and hurriedness is not something 
that was present in that world. So to see that contrast was was amazing. Yeah, I think Barna did a study a while back and said that 66% of Christians say that they're too busy to give the process the time it requires to follow Jesus. That's a large number. Yeah. Um, 66, and then another guy came and said that we, um, as Christians, we're conditioning ourselves to become like the culture, this constant state of busyness that we're losing what Jesus um, said in Matthew 11 where he said, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I'm going to give you rest. Learn from me the unforced rhythm of, rhythms of grace, as Eugene Peterson would put it in his great, beautiful language that he does sometimes. Um, we lose that, that we try to outpace Jesus in our life. When um, I love the running references and metaphors that Paul uses, um, but over 92 times our relationship with Jesus described as a walk, um, and he was very present. And if we're trying to learn from him and how to be like him to be to, to people, mm-hmm. we have to slow down to actually stay in step with what he's trying to do and stop outpacing him sometimes. And yeah. that's what led me to burn out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and his his lack of hurriedness is very, very stark in Scripture. I mean, even I mean, his best friend Lazarus yeah. was dying. And he was like, no, let's just hang out here for a yeah. few more days. I mean, that's how he was. Like, uh Somebody's like, Jesus, my daughter's dying. He like somebody touches him, like, all right, guys, we're stopping all of this and we're not gonna go heal this little girl because somebody touched me. Like yeah. you you're on a mission, like, no, like we were just like forgot about it and just kept going. Like mm-hmm. Lazarus is dead, like we would have hopped on the first flight back, but he's like, Yeah, we're gonna stay for three days and let's see what happens. Yeah, but then come to find out God had a bigger plan oh, than yeah. what we could see, you know. It's amazing how that works. But um and then to keep to kind of keep on track with the uh, the dangers, I think one of um, one of the big ones that you see for small group leaders, and then for us as people in ministry, um, and we'll we'll even have a, probably a full episode on this later is burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, small group leaders most definitely can get burned out if they oh, feel yeah. they're like the struggle is oftentimes maybe they can kind of feel like they're out on an island, mm-hmm. kind of just doing their own thing. Um, and we've felt that in ministry, you know. Um, so how can a leader fight against that? How do how do the disciplines specifically help? You know, we'll have a we'll have a bigger episode on this later, like I said. But mm-hmm. for the purposes of spiritual disciplines, kind of how do those help? Um, kind of resist that burnout. Yeah, so burnout's definitely my story um, because I was trying to outpace Jesus so much because I was doing good work for him. I felt like. Um, and it led me to a point where I kind of ended up just hating myself and my life and really kind of regretting the decision I made to to follow God at times. And that's just complete honesty um, because burnout's not a great feeling. But as a leader, even now leading a small group, if I am not taking time to slow down my, my life and make sure my complete affections and devotions are focused on Jesus, then I'm not going to be able to run this race that's laid out before us with endurance I'm going to get tired and tripped up Um, because why it's great we're not called to have devotional life we're called to live a life of devotion to him more than anything Mm -hmm. it's not so much a prayer life it's a life of it's a praying life a life as we go continually praying and reminding myself bringing my focus and attention back to um, the way of Jesus and to say, um, I'm, I have to intentionally slow down. I have to make my walk with God an intentional priority in my life because it's not going to happen in a casual or um, haphazard manner. It has to be intentional. And so burnout happens is because we get unintentional about our commitment. We kind of just let it 
oh, we'll grow and we move from spiritual experience to spiritual experience, like a Damascus Road. We're like, yeah, let's move from those experiences to one another instead of the daily grind of life, of practicing this. Um, I think it was Oswald Chambers, he talks about this idea that um, we so often can blame God. I'm kind of paraphrasing him here. He says, we can blame God when like trials or bad things happens or we feel like we're abandoned, but really the, the result is on ourselves that we weren't prepared in practice to receive those and to say, I have a life, a, de- a life of devotion to be able to see me through that. Um, and so when it comes to burnout, it's about being intentional about your walk and protecting it um, and growing it in the context of community and not being afraid to confess that I'm falling apart. Um, and I think that's one thing that scares leaders the most that's, um, is to confess that, hey, like life, like this is not going the way that I thought it was going to be going, but then also and be open and transparent about that because we are a culture who wants to continue to to push through until the very end and knock every door down until we just fall down and like, I can't go anymore. Instead of just saying, I can't do this alone. I need somebody else to go before me to knock down these doors. Um, Do you think maybe um, burnout happens when our focus gets too um, close to ourselves? And what I mean by that is you lose sight of the bigger picture of of, of what you're doing. Kind of like you said, you, you get burnout when you get busy or when... So you kind of just feel like you're just accomplishing tasks, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you're losing sight of these are all smaller pieces in a bigger mission mm-hmm. that I'm a part of. Um, do you kind of think that that's maybe where the burnout can come from? Yeah, it's definitely losing sight of of the vision of what God has called us to live life, participating in the kingdom of God more than anything. Because we're not called to just um, get people into heaven when they die. We're called to make disciples. And when we lose sight of that, to know that Jesus said we're, we're a hospital. Like he came to as like a hospital like for sinners more than um, a museum for saints. Um, when we lose sight of it's hard work, it's people's souls and people who are coming out of dark, messy passes sometimes, um, and we lose sight of the goodness and the glory of the God that is set before us in Jesus, then, yeah, we're going to just kind of check off task um, to say, all right, I, I've done my daily quiet time. And when that becomes just a task for us, that's a sign of burnouts coming. Um, when it just becomes a routine, like, all right, this is daily. Um, it's not an intentional thing. It's like, I have to do this. Or it's just guilty. part of your checklist it's at that point. part of my checklist, yeah. yeah. So to hit on that, um, so I'm getting the sense from you that personal devotion time does not count as preparing your Bible study for your small group. Um, it, Those two are not necessarily the same thing. It's a it's a yes and no. It's I always live in that tension between both and sometimes. And I think if you're leading your community in a way um, that is y'all are on this journey together, that you're working through a book together. Like you say, hey, we're going to kind of just work through the, um, the Sermon on the Mount for a couple of weeks. And you're all reading that, um, those chapters five through seven, and that's what your daily time is, and you're working through that. I think, yeah, like that that can count because you're as a community saying we're wrestling with this passage in our, our own devotional time, but also as a community. But if you're kind of just going through like a, a good right now media study and you just have to prep some questions really to kind of get over it, I'm going to say no. Um, and so it kind of depends on the context of what you're doing. Um, so for... Um, for me personally, I, I'm an avid reader and podcast listener. I can, I think at one point in time, there was like, I'm engaging in 20 different forms of like, uh, 
ways to grow my knowledge through podcasts and books I'm reading at that one time and goodness gracious. yeah it's it's a lot and I was like this is too much like I'm doing like my personal like walk with Jesus going through the gospels but then like I'm leading our group through something else and I'm doing this and so I have to admit, it was a little selfish of me. I was like, you know what? My personal time and our group time, we're going to read a book of the Bible together, and we're just kind of journeying through something. And so to take away like mm-hmm. a form that I'm having to engage in another way to say my community is important to me. Um, I, I love those those people dearly. And so I was like, let's journey together through a book. And so as I'm working through that, it's a way for me to meditate on it and to study it. But then also we get to share with it. So in that context, yes, but when it comes to just hey, I got to prep some questions for a video that we're going to watch, um, which is nothing wrong. There's different seasons for um, for people, and that might be a season you're in. Um, you still have to have your personal time of growing and meditating on Scripture. But when I was experiencing burnout, there's really only, um, I really only read the book of Titus um, in First and Second Peter um, for a whole year. I didn't move oh, wow. beyond those three books. And those are not very big books. No, they're not. <laughs> and so for a whole year, I um, I remember, I think there's like 686 words in Titus. Like I, I didn't set to memorize it, but I wanted to know um, what life, living a life of godliness and pursuing a life after God looked like. And those were a couple of books that I felt really um, embraced that well. And so I sat there for an entire year. Um, some people were like, oh, you didn't read the entire Bible a year? I'm like, no, because some it's not about consuming yeah. it. It's it's about soaking it in. Yeah, letting you know? it soak in and more letting it soak over you as well to shape every aspect of your life um, and not just your, our thoughts, like you said, consuming it. Before we close out, want to kind of throw some scenarios at you um, mm-hmm. and kind of see how you would answer this because I'm sure you've heard these before, honestly. Um, so a group leader comes to you and says, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm just... I'm, I'm not any good at this. Uh, nobody's coming. Um, I don't know what to say when they share what's going on in their life. You know, I just, I'm not cut out for this. Mm-hmm. You know, what do you say to that person? Yeah, I, I would ask them, um, what, is, what is your goal for, like, your, your gathering? Like, why are you, are you trying to build a following after you, or um, are you trusting in, and this, the king who said, like, hey, all authority in heaven is given to me. Make disciples. And so if you have t- two people showing up and you're frustrated that the other eight didn't show up, your attention's on the growing of the size. And I think that's a product of our culture. We look sizes larger is better. But then you look at these, you kind of sometimes miss those two people. And in that moment, you don't think so. But then afterwards, you're like, oh, I'm more concerned about the, the six that didn't show up than the two that did, um, I would say cherish that time and know that we're in a battle for people's souls. So you definitely have to continue to pray for them and to encourage them to, um, one of my favorite disciplines is the discipline of simplicity. And it's not just in simplicity living, it's simplicity and schedule as well. Encourage people to say, is this a priority? Like is, is community, is life following Jesus a priority? for you and I think it's okay to ask that in a loving way um, but yeah definitely be in prayer and focus on those two that are in front of you or three that are in front of you or the one um, that's sitting right in front of you more than the, the eight that didn't show up yeah and then um, we will flip it to the other end of the spectrum the group leader that comes to you frustrated not with themselves but with you mm-hmm. and as the uh, the group's pastor and as the, the leader 
of, of the whole thing. Um, what about the person that would come and, and they're frustrated and we don't want to, I don't want to paint them as, mm-hmm. as you know, a problem um, because that's not what we're trying to do. But um, people get frustrated on the other end where they think that maybe they're being controlled too much. They don't have a lot of freedom. They don't maybe fully understand why we do groups at all, or at least why we do them the way we do them. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of, kind of what your role is for that. Kind of what would you say to the person that's a little more on the critical controlling side, rather than the I'm kind of feeling beat down here. Yeah. Um, so they're wanting to control their own group, and they kind of don't like the direction that we're going. I just want to ex- ask a clarification. Yeah, it's like, why can't we just do our own thing, man, you know? Or, you know, why do we even need to do this? Why can't we just love Jesus, bro? Why do you got to Why you gotta put all these structures in place, <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, for those who just want to love Jesus and um, don't want to be in community, um, I think they might have a hard time when they get to heaven, and that's what we get to experience is community with other believers in the kingdom of God. Yeah, um, They're going to be a little disappointed. That's just not them and Jesus right there, and but it's Jesus and his His kids with him. Um, so they might be a little disappointed with that. Um, but it's also knowing that people are going to be at different parts of their journey. And if the church is like a hospital, gatherings are like a hospital, then we have to know some people are going to come in like, in the ER, they're going to have to have the emergency surgery. Some people are going to be up in the ICU. We have to be okay with that. Um, I have to be, understand where they're at on that spectrum and kind to take a baby step forward um, for them. Um, if they're critical of direction, um, man, I, I, I love Paul. I think we all would be say we want to train you so much that we can wash our hands of you not in a bad way but that we have equipped you and resourced you and given you everything we can to know about the knowledge of the good life of following jesus that you can stand on your own and lead your people well without us having to come in and and check on you which we rarely do i don't think we don't like keep a a pulse looking for people sinning and messing up but we want to know how we can encourage and and resource you and there's some leaders that we can say yeah you can stand on your own um but a lot of times it is we're trying to keep the vision of the kingdom before us and keep the vision of leading people to be intentional disciples of Jesus. So growing as a learner, family, and missionary before them. And so sometimes that's just guiding conversations. And I would I would say to that person, um, we want you to be intentional about your walk and other people's walk, that you cannot do this alone. Um, and that's why we want you to gather around and partner with other people to figure out how to become more like Jesus and be Jesus in your neighborhood, in your workplace, um, and in the areas that you visit throughout your life. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I, I want to hit on, I want to hit on one more that I kind of thought of as you were talking, let's say there's, there's a leader, um, and there's group members that, that, that'll do this too. You know, they'll feel like maybe the group is going too deep or not mm-hmm. deep enough, depending on where they are in their own walk. Um, mm-hmm. so kind of what is the spiritual discipline of patience there? that a leader has to show that everybody in your group is going to be at a different level of depth as far as their spiritual walk goes and kind of how do you navigate those waters? Yeah, that's a question that we get a lot or something I hear a lot. It's like we want to go deeper or we go too deep or um, there's that balance there. Um, And so one of the questions that I I like to ask, um, and so I talk about my community a lot because it's it's what I live in, 
is what is one area that you need to grow in your apprenticeship with Jesus? And so we try to personalize our time. And so that would be my encouragement is to sit in person and ask what is an area that, that Clayton needs to grow in, what is an area that Johnny needs to grow in, and keep that in mind as a leader and as a community so you can encourage each other. Because also there's the discipline of, of submission. It's um, kind of sit, taking the seat of humility and not having to get your own way. Um, because if you're somebody that's probably saying, we're not going deep enough, um, or we're not going and every, like we're just staying on the surface, you might should be leading a group yourself um, because you have the knowledge and the capability and the love of God to do it. Um, and so you get the privilege to do that. Um, but yeah, it's the discipline of endurance and patience would be just to sit and say, you know, it's not about me um, because I know that I am secure in in the kingdom of God because of the finished work of Christ. And I get the ability to lead and walk alongside other people on their journey there. Um, and that's one of the best seats that you can sit in is to watch other people get things that you're wanting, um, that you're because they're going to get there eventually. You just get to be encouraging them to do so. Um, but then also just taking your own time. Like, I think a lot of times that we say we want to go deeper, um, but then our devotional life, I'm doing air quotes right now, um, is we're not going very deep. It's just a quick reading, then we're gone. Take a deeper study of what you want to do. Like, you say an area that I need to grow in is confession um, because I kind of hold things back. I want to do a deep study and actually study what the word confession means and look throughout that in scripture and then come be able to share that with my community. Like, this is what I'm learning um, and have them speak into it. But take ownership. And um, as Paul would say, you shouldn't, like, you should be eating meat by now sometimes. And, and so staying in that very young stage of expecting people to feed me deeper things is sometimes we have to be intentional and take ownership of those that want to go deeper so we can encourage those who are just kind of getting into the waters of following christ yeah yeah that's a good word man well clayton i appreciate you coming on here um and i thank you guys for listening in i hope you find it helpful um and we will see you next time thank you for joining us on group chat a ministry of rush creek church to learn more about us please visit www.rushcreek.org